Tonight we're going to talk about identity. If you didn't get the hint from the mirrors, I tried to do a little illustration. I'm not really an illustration guy, so you guys cut me a little bit of slack if you don't like the illustration. I think it's awesome. That's why we're going to do it. And so we've got this. I know it's a little bit difficult to read. It's one of those that went really well in my head and came out so-so once I actually did it, but we're going to go with it. Amen? But we're going to talk about our identity tonight. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I am, I am burdened for this, right? I've been burdened for this for a few days and just been trying to pray and, and dig in what God has for us, for me in this, and for you guys in our church through this message. So I know this is something that, that God is wanting to speak, and I just know that through what Ryan has spoken, some of the things that he said there was such confirmation to what God wants to do tonight. And so I was thinking about our identity and how society portrays men and how uh, social media portrays men and how the media portrays men. And it's not always in the best light. You know, I think about TV shows. You know, the, the dad or the men, they're always dumb. They're always ignorant. They have no idea what's going on. They're lazy. Their kids try and manipulate them and, and do all kind of things like that. Y'all, do y'all ever see those shows on TV? So I think I've got a few pictures of some TV dads. Were we able to get them, Tanner? Awesome. Let's try out this first one. Let's see who we got. Al Bundy. Come on. You know, that, that guy, man, so that, that, that's how the media tries to portray us. I think I got one of Homer Simpson. Y'all remember Homer Simpson? We got that one, yeah. I kind of like that one with the donut. You know, that's, I, I like that one. Then I think I've got one of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Y'all ever seen that show? They make this guy the biggest idiot. He's like... I watch that show and I'm just embarrassed to be a man when I watch that show. I'm like, that's not how it goes at my house, Big Ray. You need to get some things straightened out over there. And so that's one of the ways that, that the media tries to portray us as, as dumb and ignorant and lazy. And I just don't like it. Okay? But then there's another extreme. They try and you know, portray us as like super hyper macho, like ripped up Guys, and I'm just, reality is like, that's not me either, right? I got a few pictures of those guys. This is how the media wants you to, to, to be portrayed. Look at that. I mean, 300. Like, we're just strong, killing machines, okay? We're just ripped up like 37 abs come in their stomachs, right? And I think I got another one of, of a superhero, like Superman. Well, I kind of look like that, don't I? No? And then I've got my favorite one, this last one right here. This is my favorite one. Look at that right there, Derek Foster. Yes. Superhero macho man. Yes. Man, we love you, Derek Foster. Man, I can beat you in basketball. Don't play like you can. And I got the mic so nobody else can hear you. But I thought about those pictures. And if we think about it, I mean, that's how media tries to, to portray men. And if we're honest, if most of us are honest, if I'm honest, I don't fit into either one of those categories. You know, I just feel like I'm just kind of an average guy, just an average, normal Joe guy. You know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of smart, but I'm not like the smartest guy in the world. I mean, I'm not in like great shape, you know, but I'm not Homer Simpson, right? Don't answer that. And I, I mean, I, I've got like just an average beard. You know, it's not like Ryan's beard, man. That was awesome, awesome beard. You know, check out, oh, check out this beard right here, bro. Did you win the contest last month? I just want you to know that I, I was shouting the loudest for you and your beard because that beard is awesome. 
You know, my athleticism is it's still somewhat okay, you know, but I'm just kind of an average guy. It's, I don't feel like I fit in this, like, superhuman image. I don't fit in this dumb and lazy image either. And so where do I go? What do I do? I sit here and I leave myself questioned because all the stuff I see on TV, you know, I'm not a superstar athlete, Tom Brady person that, that they, they want you to go after. They want you to be these different people. And I think what happens is we get confused, And we feel like we've got to be somebody else. And I feel like we try and strive for the super macho, and we end up failing because that's just movies. That's not reality, right? And we end up going into closer to this other side because we don't feel worthy of doing anything else. We feel like because we failed that we are, maybe we we believe the lie that we're dumb or that we're lazy. And we just end up in this place in the middle. And I want to encourage you tonight that average guy is okay. This guy, Jesus, came to the earth, and he found 12 average guys, and he changed the whole world. Amen? And so I'm just okay to be this average guy. I'm okay to not be Superman. I'm okay to not, not, not be those guys that the media tries to push us to be, the, the guy that, 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 that's got the 37 abs, like the guys from, from that movie 300. I'll, just, I'll never be that guy. I have one ab. It's really large. So... <laughs> But Jesus just took these 12 average guys. And you know what their identity became? Jesus. That's it. They went everywhere with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They went to dinner with Jesus. They were always with Jesus. And their identity became Jesus. They were no longer fishermen. They were no longer tax collector. They became Jesus. And we're going to unpack that a little bit tonight. And I want to go ahead and tell you, this isn't one of those messages that's full of like all kind of funny stories and things that we're going to laugh about. We're going to dive in. And I believe that, that God really wants to minister to us through this tonight, through the word. This is going to be a lot of scripture tonight. And we're going to unpack some scriptures tonight. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. All right. And so the, the world, I find that the, the, the per- perception of the world or what the world tries to portray us it's so opposite of the Bible. It's so opposite. I was reading Matthew chapter 5 the other day and reading the, the Beatitudes. And I was looking at all these things. And I'm like, the world wants you to do none of that. That's what you see on TV. That's what these guys that we're talking about, that they do on TV. They are a complete opposite of what the Word of God does. It says, and then we end up trying to fit into this mold that's opposite of what the Word of God says. But I want to encourage you tonight in what the Word of God says. Because the world will say that I can do it on my own. But the the Word of God says, blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The world says, toughen up. And God says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. We don't have to be tough, this tough macho man. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The world says, look at me. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. The world says, live how you want to live to enjoy life. But the word of God says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The world says, hold grudges against those who have wronged you, but the word says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The world says, look at, watch, and think on whatever pleases you. The word of God says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. The world says, be angry, lash out, protest, vent on social media. 
The word of God said God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. The world says do what you need to do to fit in. God says, the word of God says God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I'm just at a point in my life, man, where I just want to let the word of God define me. I want to try and live my life by what the word of God says. And if that makes me not fit in, if that makes me weird, if that makes me uh, anything opposite of what the social media or media or the world or, or, or TV wants to portray, that's fine. Because I've made a decision to do my absolute best to allow my life, my heart, and my thinking, and my actions to line up with those things. Because you know what it says? It says God blesses those things. I want to be blessed. Y'all want to be blessed in here? I want to be blessed. I don't, I don't want to, to walk around this life where I'm just always in this place of struggling. Because the Bible is very clear. God wants to bless us. And so I just believe one of the greatest enemies, one of the greatest traps the enemy tries to trap us in is in our identity. And if he can get us to think that we're useless and unworthy and hopeless and alone, then it can destroy our lives. It can destroy us if we begin to let those things that the world says bring our identity versus what the word of God says. We can fall into selfishness, bitterness, anger, hatred, drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality. These things I've found through, through my time in my own life and through talking with other men, usually these things stem from an issue in their identity. Because they don't recognize who they are in Christ. They don't recognize that, that they've been bought with a price. They've been covered in the blood. They've been set free and walk in victory. They choose to be attached to this world and attached to things in this world that they feel like will bring them pleasure, but it leads to emptiness. And then they become bitter. And their world gets completely turned upside down. And you think about it. It sounds so simple. It sounds like, oh, man, I just, okay. Identity in Christ. It sounds so simple, Right? But if you look at what, what the Word says, you see where when, when, when Jesus was baptized, you can see where the enemy came in and immediately attacked, attempted in his identity. And so I want to talk to you tonight uh, about a few things. So the first one we're talking about is this two identity lies from the enemy. Two identity lies from the enemy. The first one he wants you to, get, he wants you to question is whose you are. He wants you to question whose you are, who you belong to. If you look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, this is right after Jesus was baptized. It said, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when, he fasted, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Come on, somebody. 40 days, 40 nights. Dude was hungry, okay? And now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Satan goes on to tempt him three times, saying, If you are the Son of God. What did God just say he was? This is my son. He just said that this is my son. And so the first thing I want you to recognize is that, God, that, that the enemy tried to get him to question the exact thing that God had just spoke. Yeah. 
God had just made a promise. God had just made a declaration. And he said, this is my son. And then right after, the enemy goes, well, if you are the son of God. See, son is a symbol of who he belongs to. He is the father, and this is his son. It says whose he is, who he belongs to. And the second thing is, I want you to notice that he tempted him when he was at his weakest moment. In 40 days, when his flesh was at his weakest, excuse me. He tempted him when his flesh was at his, at his weakest moment. He hadn't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights. I believe that my flesh would be pretty weak at that point. And, and when you look at these things, I want you to catch those two things. The first thing that the enemy did was he made him try to get him to question the thing that God spoke and that he tempted him when his flesh was at its weakest. I want you to, to catch this tonight, and I'm going to do my best to try and explain this tonight. Our flesh is on the outside. This is our flesh on the outside. But Christ, who is the root of our identity, is where? On the inside. When we give in to the outside, we tend to forget what is on the inside, if we're honest. When we, when we fail on the outside, when the flesh is weak, whenever we're at our weakest moment and we fall, man, we fall into that temptation, we tend to forget what's on the inside. Check this out. It wasn't until sin entered the equation when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. See, they didn't notice the outside until sin had entered the equation. There was something about sin, there was something about that moment that made them begin to realize the flesh. Because, man, they were just loving life. They're just walking with God. It was an awesome time. And then at that moment when sin entered the equation, they realized they were naked. They noticed the outside. And so I, what, the way Jesus had encountered, the way Jesus fought this. Because, you know, with Jesus, he, he, what did he do? He read the word. The enemy tried to get him to question who he belonged to. His flesh was weak, okay, which I think we can all relate to in, in, in a moment in our life when our flesh was weak. And we maybe made that mistake. We, we, we gave in to that temptation, a moment of weakness. We, we, we questioned what God had spoke in that moment. And, we, and, and we, we, we failed. But the way that Jesus overcame the temptation was the word of God. And he recognized who he belonged to. He recognized who he belonged to. And, and I want to encourage you tonight, and, and this is going to kind of be a glowing theme throughout, man. By no means is this message going to condone sin. It's not going to say, hey, man, just go on sinning, and it's going to be okay, and all that stuff. That's not what I'm going to trust. So, so please hear me as we talk through these things. But I want you to know you're not defined by your weakest moment. You're not defined by a moment of weakness in your flesh. You know, I think about Thomas. What do they always call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Thomas did some amazing things, yet we recognize him as doubting Thomas for a moment of weakness in his flesh. In the hardest time of his life, his identity, now 2,000 years later, is doubting Thomas. That's not how Christ saw him, though. That's, how, that, that's the label that the world gave him. They don't ever say doubting Thomas. And if I said he doubted, but they didn't call him doubting Thomas. 
God's not going to identify him that way. God's going to identify you in Christ. The world gave him a label because of his mistake. And maybe you're in here tonight and you feel like the world has gave you a label because of your mistake. Maybe the world's given you a label of addict. Maybe the world's given you a label of adulterer. Maybe the world's given you a, a label of sinner. Maybe the world's given you this label. But the only label that Jesus sees is him. That's it. He only sees him. When he looks at you, he sees him. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. And here's the second thing, the second way the enemy tries to, to, to lie to us. The first way was in questioning whose we are, who we belong to. The second way is he gets us to question who we are. I want you to look at uh, Luke 23, 39. So leading up to here, this is uh, Jesus is on the cross in this moment. He's he got the two criminals on the side of him. And so I want, I want to back up just a second. So Jesus had spent time in the garden. And he had spent time praying there. And he was asking God, what did he say? If it is your will, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, do it. But not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. Because Jesus knew in that moment he was about to walk out his calling and purpose of why he was here. Instead, he came, gave his only son to die for us. That's why he was here. And he was in that moment. And he's in there praying. And so I just have to believe that in that moment that, that God gave him confirmation of his calling. The dialogue's not there in the text. But I got to believe that when Jesus was praying and seeking God and seeking his will, that he heard from God. I believe that he got confirmation from God in that moment of his purpose and his direction. And then here in Luke 23, 39, listen to what this criminal says to him. It says that one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and save us. If you are the Christ. Now, the only other time when somebody told Jesus, if you are who you say you are, was the enemy. That was Satan himself. And so without going too far into this, I think that it's possible that, the, that Satan came in this moment and maybe spoke to Jesus through this guy. Okay, don't get weirded out, okay? I mean, that, that, that's very possible, and we can unpack some of that at another time. And, and, and it's not even really the point, but I want you to see how the enemy comes in and speaks things, sometimes through other people. And he says, if you are the Christ, and when you look up the Greek word for Christ there, it says anointed one or the Messiah. That's talking about Jesus' calling. See, when the first time he attacked him, he said, who do you belong to if you are the son of God? And the second time here, again, at the absolute weakest moment of his flesh, he'd been beaten, punched, crown of thorns on his head. He's hanging on a cross. He's bleeding everywhere. He'd been stabbed with a spear. He's at his weakest physical moment ever. And here's what happened. The enemy comes in. He goes, let me, let me see if I can get him before, before this happens. I'm going to give one more shot. I'm going to make him question himself in, in this moment. Because his flesh is weak. You see, you don't, you don't see any other times where the enemy comes and tempts Jesus again. But you hear what he says here. If you are the Christ, save yourself. Hey, man, you got a way out. 
But see, he, didn't, he said, if this is your calling. Y'all see that? If you are the Messiah. If this is why you came. You know, is, is this really why you came? To suffer? To die? To hang and die a criminal's death? Is this why you came? Is that why you're here? Come on, man. Get down. Save yourself. What are you doing? Weakest moment of flesh. Here he comes knocking on the door. If you are the Christ, if you are the Christ, the enemy tries to get you to question your calling. And I believe that's for some people tonight because, man, I think about Ryan sharing that and Flo, and I'm just going to share with you. I asked him to, to do Flo about five minutes before we started. He had no idea what I was preaching tonight. And so I, I want to talk about this for a moment. Because you think about this, man. How, how, do we, how do we relate in this story? I mean, geez, like, if there was ever, like, a, like a super macho, like, strong superhero guy, that'd be Jesus. He's like, this guy, he, he's up there, and, and he's... he's saying things that I can't even imagine in this moment, like forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You know, this guy, Jesus was incredible. And, and it's hard to relate to Jesus sometimes because Jesus was perfect. He never made a mistake. And so how do we relate to this? How does this happen on a daily basis in our, in our lives? And this is what I believe. I believe the enemy tries to get us to define us by our mistakes and he tries to waver us off of our calling by throwing guilt at us by throwing condemnation at us he wants us to label ourselves just as the world labels us and that's the easy way out man and i think about ryan's story and his testimony man it'd been so easy for you to give up it'd have been so easy to look into that mirror it'd have been so easy to stand there and look at yourself and go man i wasn't called man i i my wife left. This ministry thing's not working out. Man, what an amazing story. I don't know that I'd have had the strength, if I'm honest. You know, you, you could have labeled yourself as, as, as divorced. You could have labeled yourself with all these things, man, but you chose to label yourself as the son of the Most High God. You decided to walk out your calling, and because it wasn't how you thought it was going to look, it ended up looking a different way, and it's going to be better. It's going to be amazing. And you decided to continue to pursue the calling because the enemy came in, and he said, if you are the Christ, if this is what you're supposed to do, you're in your weakest moment, and you're doing these things. Maybe you're signing divorce papers, or maybe you're battling addiction. You're sitting in a rehab room. Maybe you've been in and out of rehabs your whole life. Maybe you've detoxed more times than you can count on your hand. Maybe you've been homeless. Maybe you've been hurting. Maybe you've hurt other people in your life. And the enemy uses that to go, man, God can't use you. You don't have purpose. You don't have reason. You mean God can use you? Come on, you, there's no way. Who's going to believe you? Who's going to believe your story? Who's going to believe that, that, that this God, this guy, that, that, that this Jesus that died on the cross, how can you look like him? Because he never messed up. Can I tell you how? Because you've been covered by the blood. Because the word of God says so. That's why if you have nothing else to stand on, there's going to be times in your life when you have nothing else to stand on but what the word says. You have no other choice.
Colossians 3, 9 and 11. 9 through 11. I want you to see how God sees you. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed. Everybody say being renewed. In knowledge after the image of its creator. When you look in that mirror and you're searching and you're in a hard time, and I don't know where you, where you are tonight. If the band wants to go ahead and, and come up, we'll start wrapping up. I don't know where you came in tonight. I don't know what, when you look in that mirror. Maybe we can do a little inventory and then we look in that mirror and you don't see what's pleasing to you. I don't, I don't know what you see. I don't know what you feel like this mirror reflects. Maybe you feel like it reflects some, some mistakes in your past. Maybe you feel like it reflects the sin that you made today, that you did today. Maybe you feel maybe maybe it reflects things that your family spoke over you. Maybe you came from a rough childhood and your dad just never spoke life to you. I'm sorry, man. I, I can't change that. I can't change the things that have happened. I can't change the things that I've done. I can't change the things that you've done. What do you see when you look into this mirror? Do you see guilt? Do you see condemnation? Do you see judgment? Do you see death? Do you see the mistakes of the past? when the enemy gets you to see the mistakes of the past it's hard to walk forward to your future it's hard to walk forward to your calling it's too much baggage too much weight too much burden I can't do this I'm just an average guy I want to tell you tonight that if you've made a decision in your life to follow Christ when you look in this mirror you only should see one thing that's it you should see Jesus you see that verse in Colossians it says that the old self catch this with its practices with its mistakes, with its baggage, with its garbage, the old self is gone. It's been put off. Just take it off. When you accepted Christ, it says you have put on the new self. Now I want to encourage you in something. Because here's what happens is you get saved and you go to church and you continue to make mistakes and you feel bad. There's this thing called conviction and you don't like it. And you're not supposed to like it. It's supposed to change your life and shape your life and mold you to be more and more like Christ. But even when you've been saved and you've given your life to Christ and, you've, and you're walking in light and you're walking in freedom and you're walking in victory, yet you still feel the weight because we can't move past the mistake that we made yesterday. How did I make a mistake? I gave my life to Christ. See, so you see in this verse 10, 
it doesn't say which has been renewed. It says being renewed. It talks about a constant renewal. You're getting better every single day. Pastor Mike says it all the time. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Right? He can, you continue to grow. Okay? I, I, for me, I don't want you to continue to make mistakes, but I'm not holding you accountable. I'm not, I'm not holding you to a place of judgment in your mistakes. Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If the God doesn't condemn us, the, 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 the owner of the universe, the judge of the earth, if he says there's no condemnation, in Christ Jesus, why would we condemn ourselves? If the guy who's going to judge us is not condemning us, why would we condemn ourselves? If you've ever been to court and there's a, there's a conviction against you and, and the judge is like, not guilty, and you're like, no, man, put me in jail for 20 years. That doesn't make sense. You've been bought with a price. You've been set free and redeemed by the blood of Christ. Amen. You're not bound by your past. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. That's what I want you to see when you look into this mirror. I want you to see all the fullness of God. It says, So you are complete. Everybody say complete. With your union with Christ, who is head over every rule and authority. 1 John 4.15 says, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And check this out. They live in God. When you declare that Jesus was your Lord, you get to have God living in you, and you get to live in God. That's what you see in this mirror. You see Jesus. It says in here that you are being renewed in knowledge after the image of your creator, of its creator. Jesus doesn't see somebody who looks at porn. Jesus doesn't see somebody who drinks too much. Jesus doesn't see somebody who, who, who is addicted to drugs. Jesus doesn't see somebody who doesn't speak to their spouse properly. Jesus doesn't see a bad father. Jesus doesn't see those things. He says, I'm choosing to renew you daily. You're cho he's choosing to renew you constantly so that your image will continue to be this because you are in him. I want to do this tonight as we wrap up. It's a little bit different. I found this amazing article online and this person um, I believe inspired by God, wrote this letter. And everybody tonight is going to go home with it. But I want you to do this. I want you to stand up. And I want you to shut your eyes. And, and this letter, this isn't me. This letter is written in a way of being from God to the reader of this letter. And all it is is Scripture. The title of it is What God Thinks About You. And it's a little bit lengthy, but I believe somebody here tonight needs to be reminded about what God thinks about them. It says you are valuable. I want you to go ahead and just close your eyes, and I want you to hear these words and hear what God thinks about you. It says you are valuable. 
I am the creator and you are my creation. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. I created you in my own image and my eyes saw you, saw your unformed substance. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of hairs on your head and before a word is on your tongue, I know it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you ever stopped to ask, what does God think about me? Who does he say that I am? You are more valuable than many sparrows, and I have given you dominion over all sheep and oxen and all beasts of the fields and birds of the heavens and fish of the sea. I have crowned you with glory and honor as the pinnacle and final act of the six days of creation. However, from the beginning, you exchanged the truth about me for a lie. You worship and served created things rather than me, the creator. You have sinned and fallen short of my glory, just as Adam just as I said to Adam and Eve, the penalty of your sin is death, and in your sin you were spiritually dead. You were children of wrath, living as enemies to me. You turned aside from me. You became corrupt. There is no one good, not even one among you. What you deserve is my righteous judgment, and yet, in my great love, I gave my unique son that all of those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. Sin doesn't have the last word. Grace does. Come on, somebody. Now everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You have been, you are believed and born again. I have adopted you. You are children of God and heirs of God. You're no longer orphans. You belong to me. Somebody needs to hear that tonight, that you belong to God. And I love you as a, and I love you as a perfect father. In my eyes, you're a brand new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Sin is no longer your master, for you died to sin and now alive to me. You are finally free of the slavery of sin and death. There is now no condemnation for you, and all your sins are forgiven. All your righteousness has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and you are now righteous in my sight with my very righteousness of my perfect son. You have been saved by grace, justified by faith. You are utterly secure in me. Nothing will be able to separate you from my love in Christ Jesus. No one is able to snatch you out of my hand, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. You not only have a new father, but also a new family of brothers and sisters. You are now part of the people of God, and all, and together the life you now live is by faith in my son. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Christ is in you by my spirit, and you are in Christ. Stay close to Jesus. Abide in him, for your life is found in him. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Don't live by your own power or understanding. No, live by my spirit within you. Remember, I have given you the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. Your spirit will guide you into all truth and help you to obey me and empower you to do my work. As you seek me, you will see more of my glory. I am transforming you into the image of my son. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. I am transforming you into the image of my son. One day you will, you will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet sounds. When Jesus appears, you will be like him because you shall see him as he is. You will be delivered from your body of death through Jesus Christ and your dwelling place will be with me. I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. You will drink from the spring of the water of life without payment and I myself will make you a feast of 
rich food and well-aged wine. You will enter my rest and inherit the kingdom I've prepared for you and step into fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. But most of all, you will see my face and be here with me where I am. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. You are no longer darkness, but light in my son. Walk as children of light. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. I have called you. I have chosen you. You are now a saint, a servant, a steward, and a soldier. You are a witness and a worker. Through Jesus, you are victorious. You have a glorious future, and you are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador for my son. That's the word of the Lord over you. That's the word of God over you tonight, man. That's what God says about you. Don't let this world put you in judgment. Don't let this world say anything opposite of what the Word of God says over you. And as we begin to worship, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to praise God that you're not where you used to be, that you're here and you're serving.